breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in. We had hoped to be talking about something related to the NCAA tournament, and we will. Unfortunately, it's going to be Wisconsin not making it for just the second time since 1998. And for those that uh, were in my mentions, the second time in the last six years as uh, Wisconsin does not make the tournament. Uh, instead, they're going to play in the NIT. They're going to face Bradley on Tuesday night. And uh, we'll see <laughs> exactly how many people want to show up for that at 8.30 on a Tuesday night, Jesse. But they did this to themselves. I and mean, we'll get into plenty of you know what's going to happen next. I know that you wrote a little bit about it on The Athletic this morning. There's a lot of questions moving forward. Uh, the transfer portal opens this morning or opened this morning, and it's open for the next 60 days. So there's uh, probably going to be some movement that we're going to talk about. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure, as uh, soon as we get done recording, uh, something transfer-related to the Badgers will happen because that's just the way that we do things, both in the football and basketball side. But Wisconsin uh, fails at the Big Ten tournament. We went in thinking they needed to win one or two, probably two, and uh, they didn't win any. They got smacked in the first half. They didn't show up for the first 25 minutes. Amazing comeback. Had a shot to make it a single digit, or as I say, a one-possession game. Max Klesman misses the uh, three-pointer at the top. But they put themselves in a horrible spot. And that's kind of what they just did. I mean, not just in that game, but to themselves all season. They put themselves in a horrible spot on Selection Sunday, and it uh, cost them. It's really been a remarkable fall when you consider that when Wisconsin walked off the court January 3rd, after beating Minnesota, the Badgers were 11 and two overall, three and zero in the Big Ten, 14th in the AP Top 25 poll. All Wisconsin had to do was hover somewhere near 500 the rest of the way to go to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we know what happened. Wisconsin finished the regular season six and 11, ended up as the 12 seed in the Big Ten tournament, and then the team is clinging to its NCAA tournament life, maybe one of the last potential bubble teams in, and falls behind by 27 points to Ohio State. It was a spectacular comeback. The Badgers ended up trimming it to four, but you never should have put yourself in that position in the first place to be bullied and outmatched against an Ohio State team that wasn't very good either. I know the Buckeyes obviously had a little run in the Big Ten tournament, but it, when you look at the totality of the season, I think we got fooled early on into believing this team was better than it was, and yet it still should have been capable of doing enough to avoid this kind of finish. I think the last month of the regular season is really the microcosm of of this whole year. And Greg said this after the loss to Ohio State, that this team had, this is, quote, had a lot of opportunities to put ourselves in position. Uh, and he was referencing the NCAA tournament. That was obviously before Wisconsin knew its fate officially, but it was pretty clear. The last month, Wisconsin lost at home by two points to Northwestern. That's the first time Northwestern has swept the season series since 19... 19- 95-96. Then Wisconsin blows a 17-point lead to Nebraska, loses in overtime. Badgers lose by one point at home to Rutgers. They squandered that late lead against Michigan, which we talked about when uh, Hunter Dickinson, or he who shall not be named if you're uh, Zach, <laughs> makes the three. They so, so Michigan wins in overtime. And obviously the, the game against Purdue, that was neck and neck that Wisconsin lost by two. So you're absolutely right. The Badgers did this to themselves. They have no one to blame but themselves. They're sitting there at 17 and 14 right now. And you didn't need to watch the selection show to know that the Badgers weren't going to be picked. Did you though? 
Oh well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. But <laughs> but you watched not... it, you, you didn't watch it thinking that anything was going to be uh, uh, related to Wisconsin. Although the funny thing was, and I'm sure you saw that somehow there was a Reddit yeah. thread that pointed out the CBSSports.com accidentally published all their capsules, including the bubbles teams, and one of them included Wisconsin. Um, but it would have been the most unlikely at-large berth ever because Wisconsin's net ranking was in the 80s and no team's ever been worse that got into the tournament. So uh, I, I always watch the selection show just because it's a it should be a holiday, national holiday, frankly, and it's an <laughs> annual tradition. Uh, but it was it was 99.99% certain that we would not <laughs> be seeing Wisconsin. It felt a little different, though, right? I mean, obviously, like, usually, you know where Wisconsin, Wisconsin could be in there somewhere, and you're just looking where you're going to have to go travel to. And uh, last year, obviously, was Milwaukee. It was perfect. Um, this year, it's just like you're looking for those 11, you know, the 11, 11 games, uh, the play-in games, and uh, saw the first one, and you're like, yeah, they're not going to be in. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> um, right. And and it proved obviously that they weren't even close. Uh, if you look at the the last four in, it was I mean the the last four teams uh, actually in the tournament, the ones that are going to be playing in the playing games Tuesday and Wednesday in Dayton, uh, Mississippi State, Pitt, Arizona State, and Nevada. And then the next ones out were uh, what was it? Rutgers, North Carolina, two more, but it wasn't Wisconsin. And so. You know, and then you went to the NIT, and uh, originally Wisconsin was the number three seed, which was like, really? There's eight teams ahead of them, um, but it proved to be uh, apparently a transcription error. Uh, <laughs> does that tell you all you need to know about? The it NIT? probably <laughs> does. It probably does. Uh, that it was a transcription error. At Wisconsin, a two seed. Liberty, the three seed. Um, so Wisconsin, the two seed. That means at least four teams. Obviously, we're uh, probably ranked ahead of them. Now, the NIT committee and the NCAA committee, not the same committee. Um, the NIT committee has no idea what the, the final bracket's going to look like for the NCAA until the last minute. And that's why it took an extra, extra you know, an extra, what, three hours before they were able to uh, release their bracket. So, yeah, you know, you, you knew it was unlikely, but you just, you know, you never know. Uh, the yeah. NCAA committee has done different, has, has had a different idea of, of who deserves to be in, you know, pretty much year to year uh, based on different criteria. But the only criteria Wisconsin could hang its hat on would be like, we have this many quad one wins. And you look at some of the teams that got in, Wisconsin had significantly more than they did, but they also had a whole bunch of losses and they were six and 12 since the start of the year. Yeah. Uh, that to me is as I was, I mean, they don't do the remember, remember way back in the day, you what you were in your last 10 was like a, yes. a, a big consideration that wouldn't have been good for Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> no, maybe if, maybe, maybe if they did a, what you were in your first 10, uh, Wisconsin would be all right. But the last 10, last 20, or the last 18, I should say, it's not very good. So they didn't deserve to get in. And the funny thing is, uh, and obviously social media is just a small snapshot of the fan base, but the fans didn't want to see him. And I mean, obviously they probably would have watched the game, but just, the way they played down the stretch, they they didn't deserve to get in. And for what it's worth, the one seeds in that NIT are Oklahoma State, Oregon, Rutgers, and Clemson. So, um, again, that's a different committee making the determinations. But Wisconsin played itself right out of the picture. And um, it's just a, a remarkable fall here that it, I, I struggle to wrap my head around the fact that they didn't win consecutive games at any point after that victory against Minnesota. Um, and just to this may be 
slight inside baseball, but generally when we get to selection Sunday and you, you cover the basketball team, you get a notification that you can go. If you're a media member, you watch the selection show at the Cole center. And then afterward they trot out Greg and a handful of players to talk about it. And this year, um, totally understandable because everybody had a realistic viewpoint of what was going to happen. It was just, if Wisconsin makes the NCAA tournament, Greg will be available on zoom after the selection show. And if they go to the NIT, he'll be available three or four hours later on zoom. So, um, you know, I think everybody was preparing for this scenario and uh, it's it's worth mentioning that when Greg did his zoom on Sunday night, uh, because I think there was some question after the Big Ten tournament about what Wisconsin would do, would the Badgers accept an NIT bid? Because we saw that North Carolina decided not to. Uh, Greg said he had to make that determination even before the Big Ten tournament. So uh, they'd been planning for this if they weren't going to make a run in the Big Ten tournament. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I I think it's a a great thing for the program to be able to continue playing. I don't necessarily understand why you would just decline like in North Carolina. Look, every coach, every program has to do what's best for them, but if you've got anybody coming back for next season, then more games, more tournament experience, more opportunities to practice is a good thing. Would you rather be doing that or would you rather be sitting on your couch eating popcorn, watching all the other teams play? And we'll get into that because I think it's important. I, I do want, before we move on, though, I wanted to say that there were some people that were, I don't know, I don't want to say upset, but my, mildly perturbed with Greg Gard about because he apparently said before the game, he told Andy Katz, I guess, that he didn't think they needed to win the Ohio State game to get into the tournament. I, I, I didn't hear that. But after he came out last night and said that, that them being, not being in the tournament wasn't any surprise uh, by any means to him, that they had plenty of opportunities and they just uh, to better their chance for the NCAAs and didn't do it. Um, they're like, well, what, what changed? What changed? And I'm like, well, he was advocating for his team. Like, what did yes. you think he was going to come out and say? Like, he was going to set the, set this benchmark that the NCAA committee could be like, all right, well, they if they don't win this game, they're definitely not in. Like, I to me, he was advocating for his team both before the game and then afterwards when he was asked about the NIT. Like, because he, he was asked about the NIT after the game. I think Jim Polzine asked him about it. He's like, I haven't even thought about it. We haven't even thought about that at all. And clearly, they had thought about it because they had to. Th- they already had to decide whether they would play in it or not. So I think it was more of advocating for his team than it was like a uh, unrealistic viewpoint. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in a coach coming out and saying, yeah, we have no chance in hell making it. Uh, we don't deserve it. I'm assuming that's what people wanted from him, but that just doesn't, wouldn't make any sense to me for him to do. If there was any chance that they were going to get in the tournament, you just you know cross your fingers and hope. You don't come out and say, yeah, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. After the fact, he came out and said exactly the reason why they didn't make the tournament. They had a bunch of opportunities, as you've laid out, and they didn't get it done. And that's why they're not in the tournament. It has, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't see any coach in the country coming out and saying, yeah, we don't deserve to be in. Uh, we're horrible. And uh, we need to go to the NIT. We don't, I, if, I, you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me for people to be upset about that. That's, I, I agree completely. I think that's overblown. And I didn't hear him say that directly, but either way, he's stumping for his team. What else are you going to say to your point? Um, Everybody knew where things stood. And as much as he talked about one, they went there to win the tournament and win five games. Look, they hadn't even won two in a row in more than two months. So they just had to, they just had to win one or two and obviously they couldn't get it done. But this is, this has been a long time coming. And and again, the Badgers did it to themselves. It's funny if you go back and look, and obviously I think it's worth pointing out, like they ended up playing 18 or so far. 
because who knows what's going to happen Tuesday night, but 18 games that were, um, what decided by five points or less, I think it was. Um, and that's the most by a major conference team since at least 2009, 10. Yeah. And they've played a school record, six overtime games. They went three and three in those overtime games. They went 11 and seven in those five point or less games. So they had a decent record, but it just shows you that this entire season, um, they were, they had such a razor thin margin for error. So if they win even one of those, we may be having a different conversation. What if Kansas doesn't get that tip in, which obviously you are uh, on record saying that uh, Wisconsin actually won that game. Unfortunately for the Badgers, the tournament selection committee did not agree with you. They get that and that, that could change everything. It's that's the difference between where Wisconsin is now and, and where they wanted to be. I mean, just win one of the games that you sh- that you should have won. That one, obviously, they did win. Uh, I think we can all agree <laughs> with that. But like, uh, win one of the other ones. Don't let Hunter Dickinson yep. get a clean shot off. Yep. Um, foul harder if you're Kamara McGee. Those are just, you know, they're easy things. No, I shouldn't say they're easy things. They're um, manageable things. Very manageable things that you that teams uh, in this conference uh, have been able to do. And yet, this conference is full of parity. And I know. Purdue won it by three games. I get that. But did you watch the Big Ten championship game yesterday? I they watched up, the 17-point lead dwindle to one. They were up by 17 with, you know, not a ton, lot of time, not a ton of time left. And because they obviously couldn't handle the pressure of Penn State and Penn State hit some big shots, that came down to the wire where Penn State had a chance to tie the game. So there's, there's so very little margin of, of error for almost any team in this league, and Wisconsin was the poster child for it. But uh, they certainly weren't alone in that respect. And going 9-11 in a uh, in a conference where, what was it, 12-8 and eight was second place kind of shows that. So they, they as we've laid out plenty here already, is they had plenty of chances uh, to get in. Before we get into, you know, kind of what this means moving forward, yeah. Um, and what the NIT could mean for them. Just looking back at the Ohio State game, why do you think, I have my my take on it, but why do you think the way they came out and played the way they did in that first half and the first five minutes of the second half? What 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 do you think was the difference? Why was one team at, seemingly playing a different game than Wisconsin? Uh, it, it felt like it was, I don't know, like a JV team playing a varsity team. If it, it was like Ohio State was physical, Wisconsin was timid and it felt like Ohio state came in with something to prove and thought it was better than the record that it had. And, and Wisconsin just, I, I, I would love to hear your explanation. It's on, when you look at the big picture, it's like inexplicable that you could be a team in that position and fall down by 27 points with your season on the line. Um, but that's what it looked like to me. Just Ohio State was more physical and was just bullying Wisconsin and obviously executing at a higher level. Yeah, the intensity level of Ohio State. And I was saying this last week on uh, did Cunningham and Heilprint rarely get to sit at courtside, usually up in the second level at the Kohl Center where the media is. But for the Big Ten tournament and for the NCAA tournament, usually you get to sit uh, courtside. And you could tell. You could tell the difference. And it was stark up close for whatever reason, the intensity that Ohio State played with, the physicalness that Ohio State played with, the 
the, the way that they were chasing guys off of screens, the way that they were uh, getting physical with guys, it was just, it was at a different level than Wisconsin. And I think it kind of shocked Wisconsin, which it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have. They, Ohio State was playing for their season too. Ohio State knew it had to win five games to get in the NCAA tournament. And they played like it. What they get, I mean, they got all the way to Saturday because they played that way. They played with a little bit of a, uh, a chip on their shoulder. And Wisconsin didn't do that for the first 25 minutes. It's, I guess it's easy to look back and say, and Connor Asijan said this was the case, but he said, you know, you could see the look in some guys' eyes, things people were tight, they, that they kind of felt the pressure of what the moment was. And Greg Gard said he saw in the huddle some, the look on some guys' faces that he hadn't seen before. And this is game what? Uh, 31. Yes. What? How does that? I mean, that shouldn't happen. No. That shouldn't happen. And, and you can, if you want to, and I'm, depending on your leanings here, you can blame Greg Gard and his staff for that. But I also think it's on the guys, too. You knew going into this that Ohio State was going to be jacked up. It's not like they did anything different. The, everyone plays. Everyone knows who they are at this point in the year and how they're going to play. Ohio State had been playing better basketball towards the end of the year. They lost to Michigan State, um, but they had won you know, two of three coming in to the Big Ten tournament. We're playing better ball than they had been earlier in the year, and we saw that you know, as they made their run to, to Saturday. But Wisconsin did not show up the way that they needed to mentally or physically. And it wasn't until the second half when you got uh, a little bit of a lift from Tyler Wall and then a lift off the bench from Kamara McGee and Jordan Davis and Carter Gilmore. I mean, Stephen Crowell played seven minutes in the second half. He should have been able to have a, a huge day against Ohio State with the lack of their um, with the lack of size inside. Ohio State had one big. And, you know, Stephen Crawl should have been able to take advantage of it. And he couldn't because they were physical with him. They they were all over him. And I think he kind of, I don't want to say he panicked, but he just didn't play the same way that we had seen him at, at other times this year. Didn't play with the fire. And because he had, he's not a fiery guy, but we saw it against Minnesota. He does have a little bit of an in him. And for him to come out and play the way he did, just a little disappointing, I think, for everybody. Greg took him to task a little bit after the game. Now, he was asked directly about Crowell, but he talked about how, he needed to make a significant jump going into the next season about being more assertive and aggressive. Those were words that Greg said. And then he said he's need, he needs to look to score rather than always looking to pass, which is another thing Greg said. But if you look at this game again, sort of the microcosm of the season at large, but Steven, I think made, we could agree, made some very big strides this season in his junior years. His production was up and yet, was timid during critical stretches. You could see against other post players who were more physical, just like against Ohio State, that he tended to fade away. So he's got to make a big jump. Chucky Hepburn, once again, was basically a non-factor. He goes two for nine from the field, one for six from three. And if you look over his last seven games, he scored six points or fewer four times. In that stretch, he shot under 34%. And I... He hasn't made more shots than he missed from the field in 18 of the last 19 games. So those are two of your three big three coming into the season. And Tyler, who had a fantastic second half, didn't do much in the first half. And as we've talked about this whole season, just his inability to consistently finish at the rim was an issue. He's he's shooting 43.6% on twos this year. And last year he shot 56.9%. And you can blame the ankle injury for a few of those games, but this was a 31-game season. And so... I think you look at those three players and those are the three guys that were supposedly supposed to carry this team this season. You can put it on the players and also 
you look to the head coach. He's the one making millions of dollars. He's the one pulling the strings, making these decisions. While he certainly said he can't question the team's effort, the lack of consistency all season was clear. And as a staff, as a head coach, you, you were responsible for maximizing and developing the potential of your best players. And it just sort of felt like those three, they had some good moments, obviously, but on the whole, needed to perform better. And you saw that happen in the biggest game of the season. The inconsistency. Um, and Greg Gard talked about it. He thought it was conference-wide. Uh, and I, it's hard to disagree with that. They all had a lack of consistency. And I asked him last Tuesday going in, you know, before the Big Ten tournament, because he had, he had talked about the lack of consistency uh, around the league after the Minnesota game in his, in his post-game press conference. And so I just followed up with him and said, you know, why do you think that is? And he didn't said he didn't really have an answer, uh, but he felt that there were uh, several things you could point to. Uh, one, the transfer portal, you know, a lack of continuity. He's not just talking about his own team. He's talking about, you know, the conference as a whole. Uh, and his team probably has to certainly there as well with guys moving out and other guys moving in. Um, you think about what they lost, obviously lost Johnny and Brad, but they also uh, lost Chris, Chris Vote, and then also, what's his name, uh, Ben Carlson, Guys, you know, that's four guys in your rotation heading out. Um, and then so you have to have other guys coming in. Max Klesman was a standout, uh, I think a really, really good good addition. And then even he had his uh, a rough game against Ohio State with uh, with his shooting, especially that that three-pointer that could have made it a two-point game. And then Kamara McGee really was a non-factor until the last, what, three weeks of the season? So lack of continuity transfer portal wise, he thought NIL also plays a role. He also said that he didn't have uh, anything to back, you know, any leg to stand on here when, when it came to these, these reasons, he didn't, he hadn't done any research on it. Uh, so, but there were, you know, the NIL puts a lot of pressure on people because you, you know, when you're starting to make money, when you're starting to put yourself out there, that it can take away from some of the other things that you're doing. He didn't point fingers or anything like that. And then he also thinks social media plays a role too with, with guys, being on social media, seeing things, hearing things. It's just a lot easier for people to get in their ear about things and for it to sit in their mind. And again, I, I those feel like, I don't want to, they feel like reasons. I think some people will call them excuses, but that was kind of what his belief was in terms of inconsistency within his program and probably within the Big Ten as a whole. I don't know how you feel about any of those, but it feels like that's, if it is that, you're going to see inconsistency every year because that stuff's not right. going anywhere. I mean, to me, the biggest thing is the transfer portal. It's completely changed college football, but especially college basketball, just because of the way rosters are constructed. You've got 13 scholarship players. So if you lose three guys, that drastically changes everything for the future, and you've got to be able to make up for it. And you can say it's an excuse. It's also the reality, and I mentioned this in the story too, but this was a difficult spot for Wisconsin, for Greg, for the staff, because – you lost three guys and, and Lauren Bowman, obviously last year wasn't a, a major contributor, but he was someone you recruited. It was going to be your backup point guard. Matthew Morris transfers out Carlson, the biggest one to leave because he was four-star prospect, highest rated signing in the 2020 class. And you felt like it was going to be a really big part of the future. And they did some, right. They got Klesman, which ended up being a, a really important pickup in McGee. But I think also you, you've, you got to understand that this is what it's going to be like with the portal every year. And if you lose, you must gain. And they just didn't do 
they weren't able to get the big that they absolutely needed, just like they had Chris Vogt last year, like you mentioned. And to me, that's it's part of the circumstances, but that's also on the staff. You've just got to find a way to get somebody because what you were left with was your most reliable reserve front court player was Carter Gilmore, who got the most out of his talent, but statistically contributed very minimally. He played 18.5 points per game. He's averaging 2.8 points and 2.3 rebounds. You don't have Marcus Silver and Chris Hodges developed enough to be major contributors. And so you're just left with a roster that frankly isn't good enough to compete consistently. And so well, I talked about the big three or the so-called big three having issues, but they were in a spot where if those guys have issues. You don't have anybody to replace them with really that can give you more. Um, and you look at Klesman and Wall getting hurt. They missed a combined five games. The team goes on five because there's just not enough there. There's only two guys coming off the bench that averaged more than 7.1 minutes per game. And the other one outside of Gilmore was Jordan Davis, who obviously lost his starting job midway through the season. I don't think it helped that you lost Jacoby Neath, which we haven't talked about for a long time. He only appeared in three games, and then he had the, the season-ending hip surgery. His numbers weren't going to be spectacular, but he was going to give you something. So there's a lot of factors at play, but I go back and you just had to get more out of the portal, even though it's really difficult. You got to re-recruit your own players and you, you in a very short period of time have to identify fits. And I think that's maybe a big lesson to learn is uh, just being, I don't know if it's better prepared because they obviously do their due diligence and they certainly tried, like you've said, like we've talked about, but in the end you can try it. You've got to execute, you've got to get somebody. And so this roster just top to bottom, it, it, it wasn't enough. You needed more. And I think that that's something the staff's got to do a better job at. It needed more. Um, and yet it just, I hate talking about it like this just because it, you know, they didn't get it done. Right. But they weren't that far away. Uh, yeah. Right. So th they need help. There is no doubt they need help. I'm fully on, I'm fully on board with that. Their margin was way too thin, but I also think that's probably going to be the case more often than not for Wisconsin, unless they're going out and going to start recruiting at a, at a different level than they have, which is probably unlikely. That said, relatively, relatively, it was a young team this year. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we never know exactly because of the transfer portal now. We never know who's going to be back. Uh, we know, obviously, Tyler Wall, the way it sounded after the game the other day, you know, maybe it was just in the moment. It, it felt like a guy that wasn't going to be back. I'm not going to sit here and say that. I, I, I feel like there may be more to that decision. But otherwise, at least on paper, you should have everyone back, which means you, when you look at this NIT, that's why like when North Carolina turns it down, okay. Like if Wisconsin had turned it down, I would have really questioned it because you have an opportunity here to get more experience. Why? Do, I mean, and we heard from Greg Gard on, on Sunday night about why it's important why do you think it's important? Well, I think I touched on this earlier, but yeah. if you have an opportunity to continue playing, you're in a tournament setting, you get more practices. It doesn't always happen this way, but what if you find something? What if you find a rhythm and you string together some wins? That can be really important going into next season. It doesn't mean you start next season 5-0, and oh, you still got to start at 0-0, zero and zero, but I just think there are way more advantages frankly i i couldn't even tell you what the disadvantages are unless you've got a team that has completely given up um and they're just not mentally there and you say okay it'd be best for us to regroup and just get to the offseason right now but greg talked about after the ohio state loss that uh, it's always a challenge with a younger group and he, he stated that a couple of times it's just 
kind of an inexperienced or younger group and they've got to be more consistent. And he talked about how he had to help them with that. And he also talked about finding more leadership. He said leadership has to grow organically within. So this can be the start of that, uh, I think. Now, if they fizzle and they lose the first game at home, obviously not ideal, but at least you gave yourself an opportunity to compete one more time. I just think it's it's so important. It's it's for me, it's the same reason of why on the football side, bowl games matter um, it, to varying degrees. It's not the college football playoff. You end up in a middling bowl game. Yeah, but those guys get three more weeks to practice, to be together, and then go into the offseason to do workouts. If you have an opportunity to compete, you go compete. That's the way that I look at it. It's funny you mentioned the bowl game because someone uh, did ask Greg about experimenting with different <laughs> he was not lineups thrilled. in this thing. Because, you know, when you think about the bowl games, you're like, it, it, it's kind of like the Chase Wolf, Miles Burkett thing. Like, we want to see Miles Burkett. Is he going to be any good? We don't want to see Chase Wolf. He's gone. At the time, we didn't know he was coming back and then he was going to leave. And then, yeah. So, he was not happy with it. He was not, he was down. We're said so we're going in this to win it. We're not, we're not going in there to experiment or do anything like that. We're going in to win it and said the same thing about the big 10 tournament. We'll see if they have any success in doing it. But uh, when you, when you look at the NIT, mm-hmm. there are some really good teams in it. Um, and I feel like teams last year were able to use it as a bit of a springboard. You, you look at some of the teams that played in it last year, Xavier, Texas A&M. I think there were seven teams that played in it last year that are in the NCAA tournament this year. Xavier being the the headliner, obviously, because they won it last year, and now they had a, a really solid season, and they're back in the NCAA tournament. Teams that are perennial NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament teams, like Wisconsin, like Xavier, like Michigan, you know, these are teams that usually are there and – in the case of Michigan and Wisconsin and North Carolina and some of these other teams, they're not. And North Carolina, obviously not taking part, but it feels like something you can use as a bit of a springboard towards next year, even though the roster may not look exactly the same. Yeah. That's how I view it. And I think this is another important thing to note. Fans are obviously very passionate about this program and, and certainly should be. And when Wisconsin has had the run of success that it's had going to the NCAA tournament, all of a sudden, the Badgers aren't there and maybe we can get into this as a separate topic. I certainly think we should and probably will, but uh, people want to know what the future holds for Greg guard. And and they, some people, the perhaps most passionate faction demand change. This stuff happens in college basketball, whether you, you like to admit it about your program or not. You mentioned all those teams that are playing in the NIT, the most successful programs in college basketball have occasional dips, even though Wisconsin has generally managed to avoid it. Tony Bennett at Virginia won a national championship. Three years later, his team's not in the NCAA tournament. Two years ago, John Calipari's Kentucky team missed the NCAA tournament with a, a group that finished seven games under 500. I know how they do things is totally different in terms of the, the players they recruit, and it's a new team every year. But Duke, Mike Krzyzewski, a couple of years ago, so that same year, missed the NCAA tournament. So the point I'm making is these things happen. Now, the difference is that those programs have won national championships, and so they've reached a level at Wisconsin – hasn't um but one season um it happens if it becomes a trend then you've got an issue you do and it's again i i don't know how many times i've said it on twitter or in an article but said you know this is gonna be the second time and since 1998 and there have been people replying it's also the second time in the last five years and 
it's accurate. That's accurate. I think it's also fair to mention in the years, you know, in the, in the what, two years after missing it in 2018, they won the Big Ten. And the biggest, the greatest, perhaps, what if of, I mean, I probably throw 2015 in there, how, how everything played out in 2015. What if this happened in that Duke game? What if that happened? But just in terms of overall program, one of the biggest ifs in program history is if the, what has what happens if the pandemic doesn't happen? Yep. Because if Wisconsin is what a three seed, a four seed in that tournament, maybe they win the Big Ten tournament. They get in, they get a three seed in the NCAA tournament, and they make a deep run. I feel like a lot of the talking points that people are using right now would be out the window. Unfortunately for Greg Gard and them, they didn't get the chance to do that, and so they have to live with what they've what they've done. But I think it's at least worth acknowledging what potentially would have happened that year. I, I don't, it's, it's not fair. I using the word fair with uh, somebody who makes millions of dollars probably isn't uh, great on my part, but just in terms of the program itself, it's not fair to just completely ignore what happened in 2020, what they did down the stretch to win eight straight and be one of the hottest teams in the country heading into March. We don't know what that would have looked like. And without having that, um, it, this is a really tough thing I think for people to recognize and and at least accept that if there had been a tournament that year Wisconsin likely would have much better I think Greg Gard's resume and we wouldn't be talking about not making a sweet 16 since 2016 we wouldn't be talking about not making deep runs in the NCAA tournament and said we'd people that have to sit here and say you know hold up hold up just chill they won two of the last three Big Ten titles or two of the last four Big Ten titles um, they don't have the ability to then also say and look what they did in the 2020 tournament it's a it's a huge what if and it's unfortunate i think for those that like greg guard and and like what he's done with the program so i think this part of the discussion takes us into what has been a talking point for some time i mentioned before there's a very perhaps vocal minority who wants to see change for some of the reasons you laid out about the the team is not had a ton of success in the NCAA tournament or however many years it's been since the Sweet 16 run. I think this is a much different circumstance from what we've seen with a couple other coaching changes, but I think it's worth going into right now because we're, we are on the heels of Chris McIntosh making a decision at midseason to fire Paul Christ. Uh, that was in October after a two and three start. And last week he fired Tony Granato, the men's hockey coach. So He's clearly an AD who's willing to make difficult decisions uh, in his two years here. He's shown he's not afraid to do that when a coach has poor performance. But I mentioned this in the story that I wrote. I, I think we've got some a different set of circumstances with Greg. So first of all, Chris has said that the bar is competing, winning championships. Um, and Greg has two Big Ten regular season championships on his resume. He's been Big Ten coach of the year twice. Um I'm sure, you know, if you're a fan, you'd want to see a Big Ten tournament title and obviously deep runs in the NCAA tournament. But Chris had a lot of success, didn't win a Big Ten championship, had three years worth of a team showing it was going in the wrong direction. And then the Granado situation, <clears throat> and it's interesting because he actually was uh, conference coach of the year twice, just like guard. And he went to an NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, but he hasn't. He didn't have the level of sustained success that Greg has had. Granado ended up going 105, 129, and 16 in seven seasons, um, and the last two seasons were abysmal. I think the hockey team was 
23, 47 and three overall and 12, 35 and one in the big 10. So I think the difference is Greg has generally had some pretty good sustained success. They've won some regular season championships and missing the NCAA tournament once or even twice in five or six years uh, that happens. I do think though, that you're in a position where <laughs> you can't do that for a second season. Cause if you do that, you don't know if you're going to get a, a third opportunity at that based on the expectations and they should be high expectations. But I just think that people who are talking about that, it's to me very premature. Um, and I would also say, I think he's shown at times some of his best coaching jobs are when his back is against the wall. Now, sometimes that's in the middle of a season, but that first year when Bo Ryan retired at mid season, he had a 500 team in the middle of the year guard did ended up going to the sweet 16 that 2020 team, which you referenced was dead in the water in February, won eight straight games. And we'll never know what would have happened there. And even the team last year, which was picked to finish 10th in the league had to deal with the fallout from that leaked audio, the private meeting between seniors and, and guard, they ended up doing some pretty special things in the regular season. Now they had a NBA lottery pick. Um, but I think this is a very crucial year in, in Greg guards tenure coming up in 2023. I know we still got an NIT, uh, to talk about and watch. But if he can get all these guys to come back, if Gus Yeldon develops, if they can find somebody in the transfer portal, um, I don't I don't think they're that far off. And again, I just think it's premature to have those conversations about wanting to make a change with basketball. But it is worth having that discussion considering that McIntosh has done that in two major sports here in the last, what, six months. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, we, this is a long time ago, obviously, but then when they were having their struggles in 27, 18, we had these same conversations. And that was, I think, before he was more established, having won a couple, that was before he had won two coach of the years, before he had won two Big Ten titles. And it was kind of like, uh, what needs to happen here? And I think a lot of people just ignore the Sweet 16s from uh, in 2016 and 2017 because, quote unquote, they weren't his players, even though he certainly had a role in recruiting them as an assistant coach, uh, uh, probably a pretty significant role in recruiting some of those guys. Uh, but I kind of agree with you that he, I, he won't get another year of not making the tournament. You know what I mean? Like if they don't make it next year, I, I don't, the way that Chris McIntosh has, uh, has worked with things, it feels, you should have stopped me there. Cause I said, never, um, <laughs> it, it feels unlikely he would get a, another year if they don't make the tournament again next year. Um, just based on what Chris McIntosh kind of has been, because look, uh, it's it's about winning Big Ten championships. He won one. Uh, Tony Granado won one in twenty twenty one, right? Yep. Got two, two years seasons, ago. Yeah. Got two seasons, and uh, but those were two losing seasons and two really right. really bad seasons. Wisconsin has not been very uh, great. It has not been good this year, but they still are over five hundred, and they were just a game. They were two games under five hundred in conference play, but he won't get. I don't think he'll get another year like this if, he, if there's another year like this it feels like a situation where chris mcintosh would move on because it's not his guy just like paul chris was not his guy tony Grano was not his guy he can put his own stamp on it especially if things go extremely well for luke fickle uh or go well for whoever replaces the hockey coach then he kind of has like hey look what i did here you, you can trust me i'm gonna i'm gonna make the right hire in basketball too but for now it just seems a little a little quick a little quick on the trigger. And uh, I understand people's frustrations with it. I do. But you also don't want to be trigger happy just because you got the coach that you wanted in football and we'll see what they do in, in uh, hockey. But 
Luke Fickle hasn't won a game yet. So just because the, the feeling around the team is different and we're expecting a significant, we're expecting, you know, better play and a team that's going to compete for big 10 championships and be in the college football playoff at some point doesn't mean it's actually happened yet. Right. Greg guard has shown that he can win big 10 championships and uh, it just feels, it just feels a little quick. It would feel a little quick to be like, you need to get rid of him today or tomorrow. You know what I mean? That type of stuff. But um, that's also the world that we're, that we're in right now. All right. Let's get into uh, some of these Twitter questions. We haven't really talked about Bradley. Do you know anything about Bradley? Only looking at the uh, cumulative statistics. Yeah. So no. <laughs> Give me, okay. Right, I was going to say, I don't really know a ton about him. Brian Wardle, obviously, is their coach. Uh, a guy who was at UW Green Bay and also was a standout at Marquette. So he's got that going for him. Bradley won the regular season title in the Missouri Valley Conference, but did not win their conference tournament title. They lost to Drake. They had won 12 straight prior to that. So it, it, is, a, uh, it is a team that's got some uh, – was playing good basketball down the stretch, and I'm sure they have some motivation. We'll see what Wisconsin's motivation is. But uh, Jordan asks, why not go old school and play the NIT game in the field house? No students in town, not going to sell at the Kohl Center. So do something to make it more exciting. Um, money? <laughs> it's a bigger arena. It's where they've always played. Why change something right now? I don't there's not There's not a chance in hell they're going to put a, like more than 11,000 in the Kohl Center tomorrow, which is about what the, uh, the field house could hold. I, I don't know the logistics of it. I, I think there's probably some logistical aspects of it, but the way that they pack people in there for the volleyball tournament, or I should say for the volleyball team, there's no reason that you wouldn't be able to do it for the basketball team, but it's, it's obviously not going to happen to play in the game at the Cole center. So I would be okay with it though, playing at the field house. The field house is awesome. It's great. I shouldn't say it. The field house is awesome for a game or two. Then you'd want to go back to the Cole center and the amenities that it provides. But uh, otherwise a game at the, a game at the field house, I think that'd be pretty cool. Ian says, how many old heads going to be sitting down for the game on Tuesday in the Cole center? Over under all of them. <laughs> oh man. Um I don't what am I <laughs> Yeah, what are you supposed to say? Well, none none of them are gonna stand up and cheer. Is that essentially what you're saying? Because they're just I mean, it's, it's, grumpy. It's, eight, it's an eight thirty game, man. Uh eight thirty oh, on then maybe thirty on a Tuesday. I, I, I think it's very likely that yeah, uh, this kind of goes into the next question. Brian says, what's your guess for attendance Tuesday night? Both actual and where you would set the over-under. I'm guessing the announced total will be inflated by tickets distributed. And he puts distributed in quotes. So, yeah, what's your feeling? Tickets are 20 to $25. Reasonable. Yeah. Well, some people may say it should be 5 bucks, or you may have to pay the fans to come watch. Right. I have 12426 12,426. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to take the, uh, the under on that in terms of uh, actual attendance. Look, it's a Tuesday night. It's the NIT. It's Bradley. It's now like, it's a big name opponent. Like if, uh, you know, if they were playing, if they were playing Villanova, who is a potential second round opponent, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you get a, little, a few more fans out there. Cause it's Villanova. It's a name. Uh, or if you're playing Oregon or something or another power five team or power six team, whatever you want to call it in, in, in basketball. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be great, especially with kids being on spring break. So, all right. Redshed says, uh, assuming Tyler comes back, 
How do they make scholarship room for transfer portal players? I don't know the answer to that because, and I don't know if he's going to come back. My feeling is that perhaps he, I, I don't know. You, it did seem like, and maybe it was the heat of the moment. He was talking as though this was it for him, but if he does, Jacoby Neath's status seems pretty uh, murky. Certain the right way to say it. Yeah. Um, that would put them at 13 and I don't know, maybe somebody who maybe somebody transfers out of the program. I won't be shocked. I don't know who we see it every year, or maybe somebody <laughs> they take away a scholarship. Um, you're well, going to have to yeah. figure it I out. Think, yeah. I think Isaac Lindsay will go back on the back yeah. to a walk on. I mean, um, in, if you can get somebody, then you've got to do that. Um, and guys but, are going to leave. I mean, I, I yeah. think that's, that's pretty clear guys that, maybe are sitting further down the depth chart and have very little chance of playing or just don't like where their opportunities are like a Marcus silver or a Chris Hodges. That, that feels like a possibility. Maybe even Jordan Davis who had been replaced in the starting lineup. Maybe he feels like he, he should be playing more. Maybe he goes elsewhere. I think there, there are, there are opportunities I think for guys to um, move on. And I think it's also, and they're going to do this, but Greg guard, it's on him and his staff to make clear what their expectations are for guys and whether they think they are still the right fit. And they have to let them know, like, you know, if you stay, there's a chance that you may not be playing uh, as many minutes as you think you should be. And in that case, it's kind of like, all right, well, it's time to move on type of thing. But yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. All right. What else we got here? Pickle effect says a lot has been said about player talent and recruiting being an issue. And I think that's valid, but I also wonder if, the offensive scheme needs refreshing. It seems like there aren't a lot of easy looks. Anything you or Jesse Temple would like to see them do schematically? I am not a schematic guy in basketball. I will let you handle that one. Oh, man, I don't want to be the voice of all basketball schematics. It's just been a system that's worked for this program for a long time, but you said the same thing about football. I mean, they don't turn the ball over still. They just don't execute is at as high of a level as they have in years past it's it's not a very not a lot of possessions it's slow game i mean i'm all for just running the grinnell system all right let's throw everything out the window and get 15 players and do hockey shift rotations every dead ball i'm only like half kidding uh (laughs) i don't know i mean I don't know what to say. I, 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 it's yeah. weird because people want to make this comparison with football and say, well, well, look, they just fuel injected the offense by get, bringing something in totally different. Um, this is something that has worked for Wisconsin. I mean, I don't know. You could say you play at a little bit faster pace, but it's also about the personnel that you have. So they played fast. To- I mean, they played faster than they ever had last year, right? Um, when you have the, when you have certain talent, can play a certain way. I personally think in a lot of these games this year that the offensive system was not the problem. I think it was guys not making shots. Um, yep. A lot of open shots not being made, a lot of shots at the rim not being made. Yep. Um, so there are always tweaks that you want to make schematically. And Greg Gard did within the season, even you know trying to get some easier post touches for Steven Crowell and for, for Tyler Wall and, and trying to do things a little bit differently in getting the ball inside. But you got to finish when you have a chance. You just, you just have to finish. And so when it comes to it, you, Greg Gard can't do that. Joe Krabinoff can't do that. 
uh, Sharif Chambliss can't do that. Dean Oliver can't do that. Like you have to be able to finish inside. And so many times this year, they weren't able to do it. Even against Ohio state, you know how many opportunities they had for and ones that were like right at the rim that just could not finish. That was as big of a thing for me this year than, than ever before is just the inability to finish around the rim. It just didn't make any sense. And we, you mentioned Tyler wall and uh, his inability to do that. So Joseph says, uh, how big of a factor in Wisconsin's decline this season was Johnny Davis's decision to leave early. He wanted to get paid. Now I get that. I still think he can have a fine NBA career, but the truth is he wasn't ready for the NBA game and should have stayed in school. Well, that is a ridiculous comment because whether you're ready for the NBA and whether you should go are totally different. Um, He was a first team all American. He was a surefire lottery pick by the time he left and you just can't turn that down i understand the sentiment of that question if you come back you can develop you can be a better basketball player but when it's time to go it's time to go um when you can make millions of dollars um and hindsight's 2020 right i mean he you know was in the g league but i don't begrudge him and i think he made the right decision and as for the construction of this team um it, it was always going to be a challenge when you lose one of the best players in the country and you don't have somebody who can take over game. How many games last year did we see where he was, I don't want to say a one man show, but there were stretches where he completely took over and did things that no one else on the roster could do. And no one on the roster had been able to do for several years, but that was a decision he should have made. And that may be different from how you feel about what that means for his development as a player, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I understand it. I don't think anybody, <laughs> I don't think anybody realistically, realistically can can judge that decision and say it was a bad one, right? Uh, it was a bad one for Wisconsin because he's a great player, but it was it's a, it was a great one for Johnny to go where he went. So whether you're ready or not, there's a lot of guys that go to the NBA that aren't ready, and uh, some figure it out and some don't, and we'll see if he does or not. But yes, of course, it was a huge factor in Wisconsin's decline. We'll close with uh, these two. Bucky Garcia says, uh, is next year a make or break year for Greg Gard? If so, what does he need to do to keep his job? Kind of already mentioned a little bit, but uh, do you have an exact thing that needs to happen for him to get another year? Well, you, it's funny. um, The NCAA tournament is sort of the bare minimum barometer here. Um, But become clear. Well, but the other part is, at what point do you as a program say just getting there and not making it out of the first weekend is enough? Um, what I mean, at this point, it, at this point, it's it's uh, hey, just make it well. But if you just make it and you get bounced, it's it's a really it's a really challenging, I think, issue because. In some sense, you want to say, well, one game doesn't make the totality of the 35 game season or whatever, and yet that's in large part, how you're judged. And they haven't made it out of the first weekend since his second season, 2016, 17, they've missed it twice. Obviously we'll never know about 2020, but the last two years before this one, they lost in the second round last year, they had the Milwaukee region. It was all set up. They lost to Iowa state. Um, I think it's, you just, you got to get to the tournament. And if you do that, then presumably you're in the top half of the big 10, maybe you're in the top four and you get a double buy and that should be enough. I also do wonder, though. Um, I mean, what what do you what do you want your expectations to be? And it's kind of like with Wisconsin's football is just getting to a bowl game enough? No, 
Now, the difference with basketball, obviously, they've won two Big Ten regular season titles in the last four years, but I think it's something to watch about. Okay, is just getting there enough, or what? What do you want to be as a program? What do you What do you look for if you're an athletic director? I don't think getting there is is enough. Yet at this point, as we sit here right now, getting there this year would have been enough, right? Didn't we start at the end of the? Didn't we say at the end of the beginning of the year that a, a success a successful season would be getting to the NCAA tournament? Mm-hmm. That's I mean like at least at least that's what I said. Now maybe Chris McIntosh has different expectations on a regular basis, but I don't. I don't know necessarily know that his expectations are to compete for a Big Ten title, and then you have an opportunity to go in the NCAA tournament and compete further for that. Uh, to me, it's competing for Big Ten titles. And if you compete for a Big Ten title and put yourself in position, then you have an opportunity to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I don't think making the tournament should be your, your, uh, your goal every year. Certain, certain years, yes. This year, yes. Next year, no. It's make the tournament and make, uh, make it to the second weekend or whatever it's going to be. We don't know exactly what this team's going to look like. But you want to compete for Big Ten, Big Ten titles. And if you compete for Big Ten titles, then you put yourself in position to be, be able to go in the NCAA tournament and make a run. And that's what Wisconsin has become known for. And it's become what the expectation is. And I think that's what it should be. Um, so... What does he need to do to keep his job? He needs to make the tournament next year. I think if he makes the tournament next year, if they are, unless they're 10th or 11th in the Big Ten again, and they, um, you know, are in the bubble and they just they just barely make it in the tournament, I think um, he'll be fine. But you never know with Chris McIntosh, so we'll see. Um, and then this last one, what's what's the most concerning issue with the program right now in your mind? Is it tourney, lack of tourney success, recruiting, development, or coaching? Oh, man. Um getting portal help i mean i don't know <laughs> I, if they've just got one more guy or two more guys i know we're saying there's a lot of ifs here um i don't know it's tough it's tough there are to me it is uh, uh i would say lack of i think development is is a bit of an issue yeah i think that's of the four choices provided i think there were four yeah and uh I was kind of put on the spot here, so it's taking me a minute to think. But that that would be the one, just because. Okay, you take certain guys, and you kind of need them to pan out when you've only got thirteen scholarship players, and maybe they will eventually. But we've talked about it. Okay, you've got a front court, you've got Ilvor and Hodges on scholarship, and they're just not really usable for for long stretches. And even your best players have struggled. And while certainly that's on the players, that's also on the coaches. So. Maybe that's the most fair one. I, I don't want to sit here and say it's it's recruiting. Obviously, they can always, I don't know, go after more players or or widen the web a little bit, but they've gotten some really good players. I mean, Chucky was the Nebraska player of the year. Like they've they've gotten some very good players. Um and I don't I don't think like Greg Gard is suddenly not a good coach. He's even though he's, you know, just two years removed from the big 10 regular season titles. So of those options, I suppose that'd be the one that I would go with. Yeah. It's a tough one. They, they have like everyone that says he hasn't recruited. Well, I mean, they've got a lot of top one, one fifty guys throughout his, throughout his tenure. And it's just a matter of some haven't reached their potential yet, yet not saying it can't happen, but they haven't reached it yet. And we'll see if they can, and we'll see if it's going to be at Wisconsin. Uh, again, as I said, transfer portal opened up this morning. Um, it would not be a shock to see uh, to see some names at some point uh, this week 
either heading out or coming in. We'll see uh, exactly how it goes. But Wisconsin will face Bradley on Tuesday night, and if they win, they'll play either Villanova or Liberty on Saturday or Sunday. Whenever their season is done, I shouldn't say even when their season is done. We'll, we'll be back next week. This kind of felt like a season-ending episode of The Swing. It's not. We'll talk a little bit about the NIT and kind of where things go from here uh, next week. If they're not playing, if they're playing, maybe we'll have uh, we'll actually talk about some games. We'll see. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.